0: It's the real. Hip hop. Hip hop. The real. Hip hop. Hip this Hip hop. Hip hop. Hip hop. Hip hop. the hop. Hip hop. Hip hop. I talked to author Mateo Urella. Mateo released a book called Deep in the Dark with the Art. The book goes in depth with the artists responsible for the cover art for many of the Wu-Tang Clan albums. This includes group, solo, and affiliate clan member projects. In this episode, I talked to Matteo Urella about Deep in the Dark with the Art, the devolution of album artwork in hip-hop, and how his book will benefit the More Than Words nonprofit in Boston, Massachusetts. What made you decide to chronicle Wu Tang album artwork?
1: So, I think the first reason was because, from an artistic standpoint, I just wanted to know. So, I, I was looking at Bobby Digital in stereo cover. And I think that's such an iconic cover and and I didn't, you know, I've always been fascinated by comic book art and cover art, specifically hip hop cover art. And so similar to, to the Bone Thugs book that I worked on, I just wanted to know the the stories or the stuff that I was interested in and I, I couldn't find the information, at least not compiled in one piece. And so when I was trackling down some of the in stereo information, I realized how interesting it was to me as an individual to to understand some of the stories behind these projects, specifically the Bobby digital series. And then it just kind of grew from there to see, you know, Wu Massacre and um, the Grand Masters, you know, Jizz and Muggs albums There's just so many that are, that the cover art either matches or, or um, is better than the product. And that's interesting. So, and, and I'm just a fan of art. So I just was fascinated.
0: Yeah. You dug really deep with this one though. There was yeah. some, there was some stuff I'd never even heard of in this book. I,
1: I th- the only the only kind of, I won't say rule, but I, from an artistic standpoint, I try to keep things really organic. In, in other words, I try to just let the ideas come to be how they are. And then whatever the process and pro- um, um, product is, it will, will just be what it is. And so the only guiding principle I tried to keep was to, to keep it illustrated or illustrations. And uh, I ran out of, I think we reached around 26 or 30 or somewhere around there that were, that were basically straight up illustrations. And once, once you got that close, I said, okay, we got to make it to 36 just for that tie-in. And so you got to see a little bit, which, which is a really, I'm glad we did because some of the best work in the book, you know, is the the Nubian image products and some of the stuff that I really enjoyed the interviews with the artists uh, is because of that. And so it, it, and to your point, it allowed a a digger deep, a digger, (laughs) <laughs> a deeper dive than just, you know, uh, surface level stuff.
0: Yeah. How difficult was it to track down so many artists from so many different projects?
1: It was very, so the, so, so, so the book itself took about two years, maybe closer to a year and a half to get it done. And then maybe six months to get it to where it is today. Um, and so it was really difficult because these folks, by and large, have moved on with their careers, some of them, some of them aren't in the hip-hop space, and they did this as a commission, and although they speak freely about that in the book, they're, they're not necessarily accessible, um, and then some of them were, like, really accessible and hit me back, so it was really a good mixture of all of that, but in general, it was difficult to track down, and unfortunately, because of the way my artistic process works, uh, I kind of got interested in once you tracked one piece down and one artist, okay, well, you also wanted to know what the, what the artistic director thought of that or what the colorist thought of that the, or the, the letterer thought of that. And so, you, you know, it, it, it got to a point where you just have to kind of cut it and say, all right, we're, we're just going to wrap it up with what we have. But it, it was definitely a challenge. And, and luckily, the internet between Instagram and Discogs and uh, just general Google searches, I think we got almost every single thing uh, I wanted to save for, save for one. But it was, it was a challenge. What was the one you didn't get? uh method man uh Def jam J- J- deaf jam japan i think it's called Takao, the alter ego remixer something like that and um i really should remember this artist's name because it's really the only artist that we that i didn't get but uh he he's on twitter and i i i think i sent him i think i literally sent him 75 direct messages like yo bro <laughs> i just need like a couple sentences and he never hit me back and, and most of his twitter's in japanese and so i'm not sure if that's why it didn't reach but um after a couple months of that, while that was ha- happening, I was just taking care of some of the other stuff. And once the other stuff got kind of ready to go, just had to abandon that, that idea. But literally every other project, as far as I can remember, every other project that I was interested in getting, um, I think we could have included more. We could have included the Almighty and uh, the Timbo King. There's a couple of projects that um, uh, Black Market Militia, there's just, uh, there's a couple of pro- projects that could have gotten included that didn't, but perhaps that will be in the future.
0: Thank okay. you, why was it important for you to get quotes from
1: fans of the group that are both in and out of the industry? So I think for two reasons, and those two reasons kind of revealed themselves over time. And the first was because it was really just um, tactical in terms of I got about halfway through the book and I'm super into art and I'm super into artistic process. But I was halfway through the book and realized this might be a bit mundane or, or might lose interest for someone who's not necessarily that into someone's artistic process and so I thought how can we break this up in a cool way that's a little bit easier to digest a little bit less esoteric and the other way or the other reason I should say is because um, I've been basically a lifelong Wu-Tang fan given my age but also uh, regardless of my own kind of fandom I've I mean I think it's very obvious at this point how far their reach stretches across the globe and how much influence and impact they've had on the culture and really on pop culture and American culture, global culture. And so I really wanted to capture that somewhere. I know that wasn't the book itself, but I wanted to somehow capture the fact that, hey, listen, we're talking about, you know, to the artists, and, and, and there's a Wu-Tang thread, but this is really kind of an art book. And then let's flip the script and say, okay, like, Wu-Tang affects everybody, you know, doctors and professors and athletes. And th- th- that could have been a book in and of itself. And so I thought it was important to balance out the content so it's not so kind of boring, but also to let folks know, like, if you're not necessarily into Wu Tang, or if you pick this book up for a different reason, you should understand how impactful these guys have been for like 30 years.
0: Very impactful. Very impactful. I think it gets lost because of, uh, you know, their star isn't as bright as it used to be. And, you know, I was almost 30 years ago when they came out but you see the influence i mean you look at the success of the uh, showtime documentary mm-hmm. mike's and man i think it was called mm-hmm. and the hulu um series, they still matter and it influenced a, a generation
1: I was talking to a family member during this process and they were like, you know, I'm not really too familiar with Wu-Tang. And so you get into a conversation and they're like, Oh, method man, old dirty bastard. Like, and then you say RZA, some of the stuff he's done in Hollywood. And they're like, Oh, I clearly know who Wu-Tang is. And then you show them the logo. And, and so I think it's almost ingrained into pop culture. Now that you forget that you forget their story and how interesting it is, but you also forget that, you know, they're still, their star is definitely not as bright, but they're still relevant and they're still, um, I saw, I think it was a year ago. RZA, Riza had challenged like the ice cream truck jingle because it had a racist history, and so he oh. worked with uh, an ice cream company to change it. But it was like headline news, and it's just interesting to see that. Uh, although they're they're not irrelevant, I'll put it that way. They're less they're less impactful, but they're 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 not yet irrelevant or a caricature of what they were.
0: And I think that's normal, but only in hip hop does it get ridiculed. I think, you know, what artist in mainstream music is as big as they were 30 years ago. It happens in rock, RB, every genre, but in hip hop, it's like, oh my God, you're washed up. You're old. You're you <laughs> know nah, this this is the natural course of things.
1: I was listening to the new Nas album and I was trying to explain to his, or, or had a conversation with a friend that how difficult it must be to stay relevant without necessarily just hitching onto trends and without necessarily uh, making the same album over and over again. And so I think it's just really impressive that someone like, someone like a Nas or, you know, wu tang too probably a lesser degree is, is still doing a Jay-Z. I mean, these folks are still doing, high quality product uh for years and like you said there's so many artists in hip hop that have just basically that that fall off or you know make a single and that's it um and so it's interesting to see the folks who stuck around for 10 20 30 years
0: it's it's actually amazing yeah. do you feel like artwork is something that today's rap fan even cares about anymore
1: well i think what some of the research for this book revealed to me and formed my opinion on that is that there's a there's a pretty strong subset of rap fans who care deeply. And I think you see that with some of the czarface products. I mean, it goes without outside the book too, but some of the Czarface products, or when MF Doom was still around or Cool Keith, or there's some folks who, you know, Outcast. There's actually a label, that's not a label, it's a distribution company called Get On Down. And they're actually from Boston. And so they've done like the 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 Liquid Swords chess chess set. And they did a couple of kind of Wu-Tang releases and other not just Wu-Tang releases where they kind of create collector's edition pieces. So I think there's a really strong uh, collector's mindset and kind of a vintage mindset for for some hip-hop fans. But I think by and large, as the culture has grown and has become so commodified, I think details like artwork has just simply fallen off. And I also think the digitization of music has allowed that to happen. And I think folks consume music in a different way. And I think the less physical product out is out there, the less uh, an independent artist or even a record label is going to invest in a an uh, artwork that's on Bandcamp, you know, or that's even on iTunes. There's no reason to do that. Um, I mean, I wish there were, but I, there's really no financial reason to do that. And I think music's just consumed through the headphones that you and I have on right now. So it's just a different experience. But um, as a young guy, that was actually... As important to me as listening to the audio was, kind of unwrapping the package and going through the details and reading every piece and studying every single—not necessarily brushstroke, literally—but every single detail of the of the packaging was such an awesome experience. And so it's uh, it's kind of a bittersweet thing, but it, I think it's just kind of what the times are dictating.
0: Yeah, yeah I think so too. You see the same with music videos; it doesn't have the same impact that it did in the eighties or nineties. It's I mean people still make videos, but it's not, it's definitely not the same. Um I'm like you, I loved buying a for me it was tapes and off the plastic and reading the production credits and the artwork and it was a it was an event. Like you spent money on this and you know how it's it the music feels very disposable to me now.
1: I would certainly agree with disposal one. I think that was what, it, what was interesting about Wu-Tang's uh, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. And I know other folks have tried to basically say, listen, this is, a, this is an art form and this is a piece of art and it should be respected as such. And I think, you know, cassettes, I had the same experience with cassettes. What was really cool is the medium was, was a fold out, whether it's a trifold or however many pages they give you. And I always was curious how the artists approached that, because some artists would just have a bunch of photos from a photo shoot. And then in between was the thank yous. And then some folks would have a really beautiful pull-out art. And it was just part of, it was just part of the experience. And if you got into Outkast or you saw somebody who really took the time to invest in that part of the experience intentionally. Um, I think I was talking to Master Ace for the book and he basically was saying that was on purpose. You know, we did that on purpose. We designed the cover to attract you and we knew that you were spending your money and we tried to give you the product as one piece. So I, I, as an older guy or as an older fan, I missed that. I wish that was still part of the, the entire experience and music videos are no, are no different.
0: Thank you. So, what's your favorite Wu Tang album cover?
1: Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought of that actually. Um, I think my favorite cover that's not in the book or that, or just in general, is the Thirty Six Chambers because that was just so impactful in my life. I was just into martial arts and into horror movies, and for some reason, that's just combined. It was a it was a sinister element to it, but there was also kind of a martial arts theme and um i had never saw artwork or photography like that so intentional on a hip-hop release um for, for in the book or for more of an illustration point i think it would be a tie between the wu tang the Wu massacre uh because that's just as comic book as it gets and it was just so dope how they did three covers and it gave you the collector's vantage point to collect all three and then the bobby digital and stereo i think that's just um I think that that belongs on a wall somewhere that's just a dope dope piece of art, and it's just so detailed and it it really speaks to what the album sounds like. The album's really detailed and layered and sometimes challenging to listen to and sometimes really dope and it just captures all that. It's just a beautiful piece of art, so I think between those two, do you have one? I don't know if you have one that stands out in your mind
0: Bobby Digital, the first one um I like all of the Bobby digital covers um it's not you know, animated or anything. But I think the we uh, cover. I remember and when they're like shopping for shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so simple. When I first saw it, I'm like, this is not like liquid swords or, you know, even Cuban links It's very, very simple. And it, it but it's, it fits a bulletproof wallets. They're making pancakes. You know, it's just it's so ridiculous. Uh, Old dirty bastard. The food stamp cover. I mean, the food stamp card. Love it. Uh, I love so much of their uh their albums, but Bobby Digital was was cool. And I think it's a slept on, slept uh,
1: on album and cover. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, like any artist Riz has had his misses, but by and large, his, his, uh, ability to be ahead of the times is really, I mean, Kanye is doing a lot of cool stuff, but I think Riz's ability to put out product that for me sounds dope. It's usually stands on its own. It's pretty singular and it's ahead of its time. And then you, you revisit it and you're like, okay, like this is, this was crazy then it's still crazy now, but I can see the thought process. He's, uh, a really unique mind. He's somebody I would obviously love to interview because his thought process is just really interesting to me creatively.
0: He's on my Mount Rushmore of interviews that I'd like to have. Riza, Common, Kim and Kara is one. Those those are the guys that and once I talk to them, I'm done. I'm hanging it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I hope I get that chance. But I had a guy a friend of mine recently who watches the Hulu show doesn't like hip hop at all but is super fascinated by Rizza. TV show and he was asking me, he said, how did this guy develop this way of thinking? I'm like, well, you should probably read his book, <laughs> you know, the Tao of Wu. It kind of explains a lot of stuff. But um He's not a rap fan at all. He likes jazz, you know, but the character in the show is just so intriguing to him. The way he thinks, the way he um, takes things from Kung Fu movies and like the guy wants to know more about RZA. And it's, it's just like you were saying, he's a he's a unique, unique guy.
1: I was just just prior to you, you know, you and I chatting, I saw a headline that said something along the lines of Jay-Z in talks to buy an NFL team. And I thought, uh, I think of LeBron often. I'm a basketball fan, but I think there's there's so many, there's so few uh men and women who are able to navigate so many different lanes in life that there, you have to be a special person. So for Riza to go through his trials and tribulations, to navigate building the woo and then their global success. And now he's into Hollywood, I mean there's so many, how would you call this, uh, temptations or trappings or failures or career, something that would have just sunk your career. There's just so much that could go wrong. And some of these people are just so special that they find a way to navigate and keep going. Um, and so it's just fascinating to see somebody like Riza, who really, if you know his story, has had no reason to be where he is today. Um, and, and so it's, it's awesome. It's a success story, but it's also fascinating to be like, dude, how do you think? Because like you can understand his story, and it still doesn't tell you, or it still doesn't like you just see his decisions. You're like, okay, I understand he navigated it successfully, but like his thought process is just so fascinating. I, like I want to uh, spend time digest- or discussing that, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't. I think you could spend time with him and still not get it. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's that's he seems like that kind of dude. D-
1: did you happen to see the Riza and uh, uh, who did he watch? Uh, premiere, the premier verses yes so to me it was so hilarious i mean i am I'm, I'm a fan of both of course two legends but i thought okay riz is gonna wash him no problem because if you actually look at his catalog it's it's vast um but if you show, if you saw how he showed up to verses, he's like in his apartment in new jersey he's got like a cutoff vest with gloves his sound system's not working his wife's in the back like it's just so wu-tang it's just so like it's just so authentic you know and so yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> i remember reading a quote from him that they've never rehearsed concert and he said if we ever got together and rehearsed imagine how good we would be <laughs> and it's so true I'm, i've seen wu Tang perform dozens of times dozens and dozens of times i've never seen them all together there's never been a show where everybody was there the first time i saw them in 96 method man wasn't there i think the next time i saw them 97 uh, rage against the machine tour it was jizz and dirty didn't show you know it's like dysfunctional disorganized but it's also kind of the beauty of it you know they they make things happen yeah um i enjoyed that that was probably my favorite versus risen premiere ray and ghost i enjoyed there was another one I really liked. I can't think of it. Red and meth. All Wu-Tang. <laughs> like, those are my favorite verses, right? All Wu-Tang related. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, that, was, that, that was hysterical. Like, it was the, <laughs> something with the sound for about 30, 40 minutes. Like, come on, dude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then he presses play, and it's like, uh, it's the watch the throne track, or it's like, you know, you're just like, dude, this guy is just incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, he is. He is, and Primo is too. That was just—I was in heaven watching that thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and and I think people people forget just how incredible he is. Was you know, like he did the thing for Kanye ten years ago. You know, like I think he's still capable <laughs> and you know, he's an afterthought. He's a, he's a director now. He does film scores. He does everything else. But I think that, you know, the last couple of Wu-Tang albums aside, <laughs> I think he's capable of doing something special again. Yeah. Um, who else in hip hop has artwork that you believe is worthy of being showcased in a book?
1: Oh, that's another great question. Um, I think if you're just talking acts, you know, not necessarily the artists themselves, but the acts, I I, I know I've referenced it, so I apologize to be repetitive, but Outkast, I think Outkast had a run of four or five albums that the artwork matched. I mean, I think Outkast is, I think they're part of pop culture and I still think they're kind of slept on in terms of how talented they are and how high level, high quality music they put out. I just think that they've had not many bad songs. Um, and I think their artwork kind of lets the listener know like, yeah, this is a whole piece of art. If you think of AT or Aquamanai, they just have, um, it's very intentional. So I really, really enjoyed Outkast, both, both musically, they're one of my favorites, and then their cover art has, was always pretty special to me. I think, um, I don't think there's been as, and, and I'm obviously probably not thinking of any or just not aware of them, but I don't think there's been as many that interest me as much as something like the Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang is my favorite, so I'm impartial to that, but also it's just a comic book style art cover. I, th- I know there's a lot of photography. Um, so it's been, So I would love to explore, you know, photography, and I'm sure that's been done before, but some, you know, Danny Hastings or, or Ricky Powell or something, and just kind of get into Brother Ernie's work and see, like, some iconic photos. But for singular acts, I suppose you could say, um, I can't think I can't think right off the top of my head, I mean it's a great question. I can't think of, of many beyond outcasts. Or, do you have any? Are you thinking of any? Because i I think I feel like I'm drawing a blank.
0: Public enemy.
1: Yeah.
0: I like right. public enemy stuff. It's uh, you know, some simplistic, some like super crazy. Um yeah, there's not many. Maybe Tribe. Yeah. Tribe has some cool covers. Um, De La, cool covers. I mean, there's a couple, but you know, it's not as vast as Wu Tang. Wu Tang has so many, you know, offshoots. Um, you can go, as you did, you can go in several different directions with them.
1: I think, of, um, I think of like Tupac and All Eyes on Me or, or Red Man, Muddy Waters. And there's, for some reason, the, that question spir- uh, sparked a lot of photography for me, some like iconic photos. But um, as a kid, I was super into art and super into comic books. And so when I saw th- this kind of parallel, I was in heaven. I thought the music was, was dope. And then the comic book style cover art, some of them were just like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. So that's like, that's right in the lane for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, the proceeds from the book, they go to help a special cause. Can you explain what that cause is and how, ex- tell people how they can get the
1: book? Yeah, thanks. So thank you for bringing that up. And so a quick backstory is, um, I worked at More Than Words for about a year. Um, And I like to tell people this, I tell people this with pride that if so, so More Than Words is a nonprofit bookstore, it's in Boston. Um, So what they do is give on the job training and and, and basically guidance to, uh, to the youth of Boston, who've either been in the court system, foster system, homeless, homeless care um and if it was just a couple different decisions in my life i would have been one of the youth in the in the company rather than an employee and so i was really drawn to what their mission is and i really uh, created some great friendships with the staff and with the youth who were there and that time in my life it really changed my life in the direction it was going and so i always try to think how can i kind of include them in something else i'm doing and so all of the profits from from this wu-tang book are going to more than words uh just just you know They're not involved in the book. I just decided to give them all the profits so they didn't ask for this or it's not like any sanctioned. Um, So people can buy the book anywhere they want, really Amazon. If you Google it, it's probably available everywhere. It's Barnes and Noble, whatever. You could go to the Mackay Forever website um, so we can ship it right to you. Uh, So I think more than words is like, it's cool that it's a bookstore. That's kind of like a cool tie-in, but more importantly, it's just there's a lot of outsourcing in Boston. So they do a lot of biotech folks and uh ivy league folks and they do a lot of outsourcing of talent but there's a lot of talent in the city especially the youth that uh, in my opinion just get overlooked or just don't get the same opportunities and so uh, a, a youth-based nonprofit in the city of boston is is pretty much all i care about so to tie them in in any levels is cool and interesting even if they just sold my book but to be able to kind of tie it back financially to them is like a No brainer. You know, it was just like we put a ton of money into the book and a ton of time and then just like super happy to give it all away. So, um, yeah, that's cool. That, hopefully, you know, hopefully folks take a little bit of time to understand more than words because it is on the back cover and it is mentioned in the book. Um, so it's super permanent. And so I hope folks understand that, you know. That's super dope.
0: <laughs> all right. Mateo, thank you for, thank you for joining a real hip hop dot com.
1: This is, uh, it means the world to me, brother. I appreciate you more than you know. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Peace. Peace.
0: The real, <laughs> the real, hip hop, MC, and DJing. DJing from your own mind, you know. I guess I right now we
1: should start the show.